welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast, sponsored by Scrum.org. This is another episode in our mini-series focused on the Agile Coaching Code of Ethics from the Agile Alliance. And I'm Leslie Morse. I'll be your host for this episode. And in this conversation, you'll hear me talk with Kiri Sudi and John Barrett about responsibility to the profession. It is the ninth commitment in the Agile Coaching Code of Ethics, and we cover all the dimensions of this commitment of the code, as well as talk about some of the complexities of what it means to uphold the reputation of our profession of Agile Coaching and in the role of Agile Coaching in the world. So we hope you enjoy this episode and engage in the conversation around the Agile Coaching Code of Ethics online. Responsibility to the profession. I will invite others who practice Agile Coaching to adopt professional standards in this Code of Ethics. I will enhance and uplift the reputation of the Agile Coaching profession. I will encourage healthy dialogue and reflection when I encounter unethical behavior in others. It's the ninth commitment in the Agile Coaching Code of Ethics. Mm -hmm. Why do y'all think this is important? Um, For me, it encompasses all of the others. Without this one, none of the others really matter. If we're not going out of our way to help and encourage others to follow this ethics, then there's just a few of us in isolation. Uh, The thing that comes to mind for me is when uh, bad things happen when good people do nothing. And so we don't want a hierarchy of some people following the ethics and others don't. So we really thought it was important to add that in as a responsibility for anyone signing it to encourage others. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, there's probably a desire in all of us to elevate what Agile, the industry of Agile coaching, the profession of it. And this is one of those core elements that helps us do that, having that code of ethics, that thing that we can stand behind and feel proud of Mm -hmm. um, as coaches. Yeah. I was thinking earlier when we were Kind of chatting about some of the things we were going to cover it's like there's one thing to there's multiple ways you can use this kind of ethics and mm. the way that we really want it to be used is not as like a big wooden bat saying thou shall follow these ethics exactly. you know you're not following it therefore you are a bad coach um what we really want to do is encourage that dialogue to be had that's why we've got dialogue in there because it's not about right or wrong it's about being curious about what's going on in your system uh, which makes you feel like you couldn't follow something or am i even right in thinking that way exactly that curiosity that creates the dialogue becomes so important because you may be seeing something that happens, not truly understanding the situation. And what the Code of Ethics does is helps us really become more aware of the kind of situations that are occurring that that may be in the gray areas, because there's a lot of those, Mm -hmm. and then get curious about them, have that conversation, ask questions, um, rather than coming from that like, you know, fist pounding place the place of curiosity to understand better and then find a way to learn and maybe see how we how we adapt and adjust our behavior and our interactions. Yeah, y'all are really focusing in on this dialogue part, which mm-hmm. I think is important. It's, it's interesting because right, that's the third bullet in the mm-hmm. commitment. I will encourage healthy dialogue and reflection when I encounter unethical behavior in, in others, right? So the idea that right, we have this code now I have a responsibility to the profession to have those courageous conversations when I see something going on. 
Exactly. And and that can be hard. What are the mm. tips you might have for people in engaging in those conversations? Um, I was going to start with what not to do. <laughs> so yeah, that a works. personal story. So I was working with a colleague of mine and they were sharing that um, there was a bit of a confidentiality breach. So they'd agreed that um, the conversation they were having with one leader could be shared with another. Unfortunately, this leader then went and shared that with a wider group without mm. permission. And I was like outraged. It's like, how could you let this happen? This is unethical. This is ridiculous. Um, I actually went to the ICF and said, this is, this is wrong, um, you know, surely. And they came back to me and said, um, actually, the coach did nothing wrong because their contract was, as they said, that it could be shared and they can't take responsibility for someone else then breaching that confidentiality. And, you know, that impacts relationships, right? It makes me look bad, it impacts our relationship. And I had to go back and, you know, apologize to the person and try and mend that so that's definitely what not to do so um, we've got a, a bit of a list of things that or tips that we yeah. think might happen exactly yeah they um, we're following the clear acronym here so um, get curious so don't assume just as John mm -hmm. was talking about in his story <laughs> So don't assume, get curious about what's going on and ask some of those questions to understand a bit deeper. Mm -hmm. And then uh, start listening. So after you've already got your mind into, I'm gonna be curious, mm -hmm. just listen. Try and remove as many of your biases that you've got as possible and just listen to the words and let them come out and leave some time for some space to Thing. Exactly. I always think of listen to understand, not listen to mm, respond yeah. in that moment. Um, and be empathetic. So um, because you don't have the full picture, if you jump in to behavior that you're not sure about and your judgment, your shaming, then you're really not creating that teachable moment and that opportunity for all, for all parties to learn. Yeah. So really be empathetic there. Yeah, we really want people to be comfortable in sharing the challenges, especially those gray areas and creating a safe space. And if we go out of being empathetic, then that's going to be really hard for people to do that. Then comes the action part that we talked about earlier. Yes. So you know, we should then think about our response carefully. Uh, perhaps using um, some clean feedback, so evidence, inference, and then the impact it's had on you. So what did you see or hear in the situation? What are you making up? So feedback is always owned by the person giving it, not receiving it. And then if it had an impact on you or in the situation that I shared earlier, the impact it seemed to have on others, then using that to help frame the conversation could be a good sign. Exactly. To do nothing, I think, is where some of the real, the real hurt comes in and the real um, missed opportunity. Yeah, it's the line between like ignorance and willful, willful ignorance. Yes. Like when you don't have the responsibility to the profession to remove that ignorance, exactly. to know how to engage, um, I think is a at least for me, something that feels important in the way you're yeah. describing it. Yeah, we call it like a bystander, right? Yeah. It's easy to be a bystander and say that person's doing something wrong. It's a lot harder to actually, you know, put yourself out there and be brave, right? It's exactly. Brave be courageous. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you mentioned, Leslie, like, we're, mm. like, let's bring in some of that courageousness and 
through curiosity, maybe a little compassion, let's, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the last one in the CLEAR acronym is reflective. So um, what's a really great thing, as we all do in the Agile community anyway, is think about, take the step back, reflect on what just happened, and see if the way in which you approached that situation, what did you learn from that? Was it the right thing, given the scenario, the situation? Um, get reflective, ask for feedback about, um, you know, were you curious enough? Did, you know, what was that conversation like? What, what did you learn? And maybe what was learned collectively between you and that other person? Yeah. Yeah, it's the actual way, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's often in a, um, we need to drink more of our own Prosecco. Yeah. And that nobody wants to eat your own dog food. That's right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's, it's easy for us not to always practice that. And that is a responsibility we have to the profession. Um, I think that's a great framing around encouraging healthy dialogue because it's kind of table stakes. Like, so what? You commit to the code of ethics, but if you're not going to have an accomplished, like, orientation to how you show up and take action on bringing it to life it all becomes kind of corporate propaganda yeah the the word we've been using is community we want this Mm -hmm. to be a community-led initiative not some kind of hierarchical thing where some kind of you know five or six people decide what is ethical or not that's not the point of what we've created we want something that people are truly bought into and believe in feel like they can feed into if there's something not quite right we're not saying what we've built is perfect yeah and we'll but it's a starting evolve. point yeah. right absolutely we talked a little bit earlier about you know the code of ethics and raising awareness of it lifting up that profession mm-hmm. so i think that's our second bullet yeah. you know enhancing and uplifting the reputation begins but through that awareness and that education yeah um and so no matter where you are on the journey if you're a brand new coach or you're a coach that has been around for a while um, starting the conversation is a great thing. So um, just because you're brand new doesn't mean that, you know, uh, you can't learn something from this, but you can do harm without realizing it because you're new, you're excited, you're energetic. And so um, I think one of the things that helps in uplifting and holding the, the reputation of coaching is through education and creating a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other ways to create the conversation in community too. I'm yeah. just, you know, currently thinking about, you know, the education, but I think in classes you can have dialogue engagement mm-hmm. rather than preaching at and talking to. And then that way that maybe that new agile coach is now becoming more aware of, oh, I need to be mindful of and ask more questions about if I'm faced with a situation that doesn't feel quite right. Yeah, I want to ask you all something that I hope doesn't catch you too much off guard, but for me it is an incredibly important aspect of the code of ethics and the Mm -hmm. types of conversations it can open up. And to me it really is about this idea of responsibility to the profession, Mm -hmm. which in this instance profession is defined as that of the work of agile coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, I find as an individual, anytime the topic of coaching comes up in conversation, I have to first stop and say, can you please define the word coaching Mm -hmm. for me? Because John, you referred to the ICF earlier, Mm -hmm. but just because you're practicing agile coaching does not mean Mm -hmm. you are practicing professional Professional coaching coaching. as defined by something like the International Coaching Federation or the ICF. So how does the 
dare I say, rampant misalignment <laughs> of what agile coaching is or is not um, across our, our global industry play into upholding the reputation of the profession mm -hmm. if we're all defining what the profession is differently. differently. Amen to that. So oh. <laughs> yeah, um, I can talk about the things that I'm trying to do to help with that. So we did define what we felt agile coaching was when we did the ethics at the top part. Um, I then was part of another initiative called the Agile Coaching Growth Wheel that some of you may be aware of and um, I um, encouraged them to use the same definition and they did. So now we've got two kind of quite popular um, tools being used um, with the same definition of Agile Coaching. So I'm not saying that's perfect but it's a start and we've kind of taken a lot of effort to try and look at the different competencies of agile coaching. Mm -hmm. So notice I'm using the word agile coaching, not you know, agile coach or coaching. master yep. or coaching. Because yep. um, it's not about the role or the accountability. It yeah. is a collection of skills and competencies yeah. and characteristics that you are applying in however you may serve your team or organization. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, can we get all of the different bodies to all agree and align on that definition. Um, Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I don't know. Um, we've got someone from IC Agile here. We could throw <laughs> them in the bus and ask them. Well, I will share with you that um, you know, IC Agile, we created our, our first Agile coaching courses, I think it was 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and as of today, Every one of our coaching courses includes a learning outcome around ethics. Mm -hmm. and, and again, our desire and our mission is not to push that on people, but have them experience that in class where there's dialogue and conversation and you get to explore the gray areas. Yeah. Um, so I think making, uh, giving people the opportunity to learn and start the conversation is important. For us, it totally aligned our mission of creating that transformational learning experience to include ethics in all of our coaching courses. So we're really proud of that. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost table stakes in terms of having a profession in and of itself. Um, mm. I've got I've had the, the true honor and privilege of having great relationships um, with Faith and Marita, the co-creators of Orsk yes. and, from CRR Global. Yes. And I was in a dilemma once and was talking to Faith about this situation and she goes well what does the agile code of ethics tell you that you should do i go we don't have a code of ethics she goes then you're not a profession mm. and i was like yeah. oh well that is fascinating because mm -hmm. we would say that we are and so while this agile coaching code of ethics is not a code of ethics for all agile professionals it is absolutely a step in the right direction in yeah. creating this and that is i think a responsibility of upholding the reputation of the agile coaching profession is to make that global agile community more aware and professional as we do our work. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it was really important for this to be under a banner like the Agile Alliance that um, is seen as kind of independent of the other um, bodies. But we have actively engaged ICAgileScrum.org um, Scrum Alliance, um, we've gone out to others like SAFE to try and encourage them to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of adopt and embrace this one consistent view of um, Agile, of agile coach coaching yeah, yeah. and the ethics and you know, we're doing a similar thing with the growth wheel as well. Um, yeah. 
So. And I just want to um, call out and commend, and I realize this is a different part of the um, Code of Ethics, so we don't have to dive down the path, <laughs> but um, how great that you recognized you were in a situation, you mm. wanted to seek thoughts from a mentor, yeah. so you recognized the need to, hey, I'm going to seek some help here yeah. and explore what that looks yeah, like. Yeah, that so, is living the ethics in action. Action, right? Yeah. 100%. Exactly. Yeah, so that this is all sort of, and I, I, know, I realize I took us in a little bit of a tangent, but mm -hmm. that idea of right, enhancing and uplifting the reputation, what else do you want to share on that? Um, I think I've, for me it's about doing, I was speaking to someone in the pool earlier, we're at, we're at the conference in Agile 2023, and was asking like, what are you doing to professionalize the world of Agile coaching? And I said, well, you know, I'm doing the things that I think are important. So I'm helping form the ethics, I'm writing and trying to define what the competencies mm -hmm. of Agile coaching are. I think it's about finding what your kind of passion is and what you think your superpower is that you can bring to agile coaching community and leading by example and doing something yeah being active so um not being passive being active in whatever ways that you can so like um i wrote a blog for ic agile about ethics and mm -hmm. the importance it, that it had to us i put in my signature line that i stand behind nice. the code of ethics yeah. and agree with that um, i think continuing to make it a part of the conversation helps it stay alive and so I think that's important that we don't let the movement and the initiative and the conversation fall to that wayside, but rather we continue to let, lift it and let it rise, which will in turn allow us to lift and rise our profession, which I think is what we all want. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, like the interdependence of this commitment to all the other commitments mm. in the code, right? Because I think about yeah. like that commitment to investing in our own professional growth, right? And yeah. like the practical idea of like, we have a community of people who practice agile coaching in our company yeah. in our regular community of practice will all have listened to a podcast episode like this and then come together and talk about the code and how we see it and how we use it and or or almost like like a book club version of a podcast yeah. right yeah. and having yeah. those yeah. those things there and I think also by like calling out, you know, okay, we stand behind the code of ethics. I think that there's also a underlying message there of we're saying, hey, if you're in an interaction with me and there's something that's not, maybe you're not feeling right, please bring it up to mm -hmm. me. Because if I'm going to stand behind that ethics, then I want someone else to hold me accountable if they see me behaving in a way that isn't a part of yeah. what we want this profession to be. Yeah. I think the other like, theme that comes out that for me is like collaboration over competition. Yeah. So um, one of the things I'm quite passionate about is open sourcing all of the materials that I use um, because I'm trying to professionalize the world of agile coaching. And if I keep all of those things to myself, how's that possible? That's one example of how you can uplift others by sharing as much of your resources and things that you've got um, and hoping that others will do the same. And then that lifts us all up rather than you know, keeping everything kind of insular to yourself and exactly. um, and therefore you're not really enhancing or uplifting anything at that point. Yeah, the, um, it's interesting that um, you, we started with that idea of like, if you see a violation, how do you have the conversation mm. with somebody and use that as a developmental opportunity, not only for yourself to practice difficult conversations, but to, to uplift them and, and have that conversation, which is upholding the reputation of the mm -hmm. profession. And 
I'm guessing since there are probably so many people that still haven't heard of the code of code of ethics, um, that a great way to just invite people to adopt it, like, oh, I noticed this, like, like, what do you think? How how is that or is that not ethical? Let me like create that awareness mm-hmm. to even know that the code exists because that's kind of the third aspect of it, right? Invite <laughs> others who yeah. practice agile coaching to adopt to this. Exactly. Yeah. Where's the call to action, if you will, if we if we use marketing speak, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, get the word out, create the, you know, shared awareness. And so it's like, how, how do we create that invitation? And I think, um, yeah, that some of the things like, like I said, even in like the signature line, like yeah, calling it out. Yeah, simple idea. Yeah, wearing our, you know, we've got our, our stickers on our badges, but um, calling it out and maybe with the invitation of have you um, have you seen it yet or have you read it or yeah. you know or or read it today maybe it's yeah. not a have you but it's more a hey read it today and you know see what you think yeah um, yeah. yeah and I think um, leading on one of your points it's like get a group together and talk through a few of the scenarios either that you've done yourself or there's also a set of scenarios that we've written to kind of help people and kind of play a bit of a choose your own adventure like oh what would you do what would yeah. you do in that situation oh that sounds really like tricky wow i'm not sure what i'd do there like, let's discuss it yeah i um and making it practical in those ways i think is probably the most important part because we can talk theoretically yeah. about this stuff all day long but until exactly. you really get into mm. scenarios um like the one you used around like the confidentiality yeah. break and telling those stories like oh is it or is it not ethical on a scale of one to ten how ethical because it's not always black and white it is much more about the ooh something there didn't feel right let's just have a conversation next time when we encounter this what might we do differently yeah exactly the phrase that comes to mind that someone told me i can't remember who there was ethics are easy to follow until you have to make a hard decision mm-hmm. or until it costs oh you something yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Until, it, until you have to let go of that client who's earning yeah. you some money because you're not adding any value Yeah. Like, it, that's when it becomes hard mm-hmm. right? until that point yeah. it's like oh it's easy yeah, <laughs> exactly. and, I mean, and I remember that as we all were working on the team that put together this, this code is some of these things like Wait, for me to make the ethical decision here, are you telling me I have to quit my job Mm -hmm. because my employer's doing that? So, like, we've got a lot of work to do Mm. in the uh, agile industrial complex of professional services (laughs) (laughs) to help create employment environments where those of us that have for hire agile coaching professions um, can actually practice in an ethical way. And that's like a whole different tier oh my of this conversation yeah. around responsibility to the profession. Indeed. And add in the complexity that you just brought up. So you would have employers who are probably defining that role um, in a completely different way than maybe the industry would. Yes. So layers of complexity within there. Yeah. 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 But I, I think also sharing, making sure we share that with not just agile coaches, but the organizations and clients can really help with that. Like just having it in your email signature, I think that's a really like simple thing that everyone can do. It doesn't cost you anything to add it there. Yeah. And you know, if perhaps a few people in the organization click on it out of curiosity and have a look at it, like that's yeah. just yeah. really easy to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've covered the three commitments in mm-hmm. this ninth commitment in the code of ethics. What else 
is important and alive for the two of you as we think about responsibility to the profession? Closing thoughts we want to share with listeners. I think the number one for me is to try and remember that clear acronym. And I mean, really, (laughs) for me, you know, it's something that, um, you know, we're all human and we all jump to um, conclusions sometimes a bit too, too quick. So just trying to take a step back remembering to be curious, to listen, uh, to be empathetic, uh, to be action orientated after that. And then I think the most important one for me is to reflect. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would echo John's sentiments and just, and also really hone in on the action oriented piece of the, when you see something and you're feeling it in your gut, maybe you don't know exactly what it is, but you've got that feeling like something wasn't right here don't walk away from that ask someone reach out to a mentor talk to a fellow coach talk talk to someone else Mm -hmm. and run it by them and create the conversation because something in that wasn't right and the more we let it just oh well that didn't feel right and we move on then we're we're saying that's okay we're saying that behavior was all right we're Mm -hmm. allowing it we're not calling it out we're not exploring it with that curiosity so I just for me I think it's being courageous to shift out of passivity and um, creating the conversation when it when it you know I think it's important to be had yeah, and the more you do it the easier it gets exactly yeah. exactly and I think especially with your colleagues um, if you can get those explicit agreements to like have those difficult conversations and to give and receive feedback in that way I think that's a great start because that'll be like a safer space to kind of start exploring this and then perhaps that will encourage you to be a bit braver when you see something a bit more out in the wild maybe at a conference or uh, something like that yeah I, I feel like I'd be remiss to not sort of comment on you know we you alluded to it, Carrie, earlier. Like, we're here at Agile 2023, mm-hmm. like, recording this episode live. Like, I'm sitting at a table with y'all. Like, yeah. this will be unlike any of the other episodes in, yeah. in the mini series. And earlier this week, we had the Women in Agile Reveal mm-hmm. event. And one of the things we talked about is the risk fear dynamic. Mm-hmm. And the less you do something, that is a risky thing, the, the scarier it is. Yes. Like a, a great example yeah. is driving. Like driving a car is very risky. Lots of people die yeah. in cars every year. Yeah. But it doesn't really, it's not very fearful because you do it all the time, yeah. right? So every opportunity that passes you by where you don't have that courageous conversation about what it means to practice ethically, mm-hmm. what it means to uphold the reputation of the profession yeah. is a missed opportunity to make it less scary because yeah. it takes that practice and we yeah. will make mistakes. Exactly. Indeed. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where that reflection comes into play because we'll learn from them and then yeah. we'll get better next time. Um, another practice is having an accountability partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To sign the ethics, you need to be part of a peer support group or have some kind of you know, supervision or mm-hmm. mentor. So use that as a place to go and uh, ask them to challenge you on this every time you meet to say, how are you doing with challenging people on this ethics? Yeah. How are you doing yourself? Yeah. Learning from each other. Mm -hmm. I love it. This has been a great conversation. Kiri, John, thank you. Thank you for being with me today, live and in person for this special (laughs) episode. (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you for having us. 
Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.